live. And people are joining, I hope. All right, uh, welcome everyone. Thanks for joining us today. My name's Maria Prieto, and I'm one of the co-founders here at Film Roundtable. Uh, this roundtable will be stored in our vault where you'll find all of our previous discussions. And we've also launched a podcast. So you can subscribe to that, listen to it anywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, we'd like to thank Ari Rental for sponsoring this chat and their continued support of all these conversations. Uh, I'm so thrilled. I'm really excited to be here sitting virtually with these two cinematographers. We have Steve Annis joining us from the UK and Khalid Motaseb joining us from Saudi Arabia. So welcome. <laughs> before, before we start though. How, how, how long have you been a Saudi citizen, uh, Khalid? Tell me. Oh, for uh, since 93 now. So really? 20, 20 for something years, yeah. And how many, how many? How many hotels do you own? <laughs> <laughs> I hear the hotel no, no. business is good in Saudi. <laughs> yeah. Just a couple. Um, anyway, before we dive into whatever this is about to be, um, we want to see something. It's going to be something. It's going to be something special. Go on. No, 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 you're fine. It's just no, now no, 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 go on. No, okay, so let's take a moment. Mm -hmm. um, we do this before every round table. We just hold silence. We hold space, oh, yeah. yes, to um, honor all the 1,111,104 deaths as of today, worldwide, from COVID. That's 223,876 in the US alone. So along with that, we also wanna honor all of our black and brown brothers and sisters, as well as our First Nations brothers and sisters who whose lives have been taken by the hands of police brutality and other senseless acts of violence. So please join me. Thank you, thank you guys. Um, like I said, we've been holding these moments since our first round table. And you know, now that we find ourselves back on set, got work, it's just, it's vital that we you know, realize we're, we're still in a global pandemic. We have to be cautious. We have to take care of one another and we have to continue this lifelong work of empathy and compassion towards one another. Yeah. So, that being said, let's dive in. Um, you guys are here to talk about your love of the image as well as your personal choices your personal views on art versus commerce and you know how those opinions play into your career choices but before we get into all of that which is going to be something to unpack uh i want to talk a little bit about your journeys so steve why don't you kind of talk us into the first moment you realized that imagery had so much power um like was there a specific work that inspired you or just I don't know. I mean, it's it's a it's a question that I've been asked quite a few times. But I would say, just it was it's 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 just a, it's an ongoing thing, and it and hopefully, hopefully it'll never end. I mean, it, it wasn't I guess one specific moment. It was just ver various incidents and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So um, yeah, just a, 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 a 
dozens and dozens of numerous events and moments. Were there specific? You know, you know it's funny, Steve. I've I've known you mm. for quite some time now, and I actually I I've never even known that what actually inspired you to become a DP. There must there must have been something, right? <laughs> I don't know. There was okay. You I mean, I guess, you can't, you can't I guess, not answer that question. Well, all right. There was all right. There was. There was a, I guess there was a, there was a moment where we're talking maybe the mid nineties, and I was in Edinburgh, and and I knew that I wanted to do something with film, and and I was on a a, a kind of student commercial, and they were shooting on an old Arri three, the old thirty five mil Arri three. And I remember looking at the team around it and I and something there was something about that camera and what was going on and the noises that were coming out of it and and this this thing that was being laced up. And I was just that was it. It was just seeing that camera. But there were other things, it's you know, watching watching American graffiti as a young child or watching uh I don't know, watching Jonathan Clay's music videos or Lynn Ramsey films. Yeah. It's just too, there's too many things and there's still things nowadays that I watch um it's interesting because I sent I sent Khalid a um a, a little clip from an 80s music video before before the <laughs> but I'm serious Khalid I, I actually think music videos are a really good historical document and you can look no, at music videos of course. no well, I'm, I'm deadly serious you look you look at music videos from the 70s the 80s the 90s the 2000s you look at you look at, and and it's it's literally his, it's a, it's a historical document of technology and and how it was formed and how film stocks were formed and and cameras and and it's it's a bit of an up and down journey and and you look at the the promos from the early 2010s that were shot on Red One and 5D and it's a, it's a fascinating fascinating thing. No, and, uh, but I mean tech I, tech aside, even because Steve, you you send me you send me those videos quite a bit those those music videos and. If you look at them, they're they're, uh, they're almost like fashion trends in a sense. I mean, I can't believe that the one that you sent me today was was something that was considered original and kind of cool. In yeah. The 80s or 70s but think, or whenever, but think, think, think about, but think about the craft of making making. You know, it's it's things that we all take for granted. It's it's almost like be, being blind and making music videos, and and I I, I genuinely genuinely study the craft. And in fact, even even this morning, I was looking at um, on Wikipedia, and there was a list of music video um, winners from the MTV Award. And you've got amazing DPs, people like Martin Coppen, Pascal Lebeg, um, Daniel Pearl. And I was actually going through all these videos that were nominated and won MTV Awards for Best Cinematography, and it's it's fascinating, fascinating seeing the style and, 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 and how, just how amazing things were back then. Anyway, I could waffle. <laughs> what was the video you sent this morning? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say that, Maria, come on. All right. It <laughs> too was, personal, it was, it too was, personal. I don't even no, think you no, know. No, 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 I'm not gonna say it. It's just outrageous. It's, it blows my it mind that you find these things. It was an old, um, do you remember a band called Survivor? <laughs> No. Okay. Fine. Fine. Let's continue. Let's move on. Well, Same question to you. I mean, what was it that started you down this path, down this love affair of filmmaking? To be honest, it's the same with Steve. I I get that question asked a lot, and I think it changes from time to time. For me, there was really two things. 
two specific moments in my life. One was the um, the year 1999. I don't I don't even know how old I was. I was a kid, really, but there was so much kind of interesting material that came out that year, specifically like Magnolia and Fight Club and that type of thing. And um, I didn't know at the time that you can make a living expressing yourself in that sort of way. So Magnolia, uh, that the film, that film specifically had a huge impact on me because I'd never seen anything that was remotely close to being that. You know, everything else was just kind of a standard story. And, and that film was just kind of like a mesh of all these different genres and a mesh of different emotions. And uh, it was almost kind of comedic in a way at, at points. And um, sort of like a music video at other points. So that that sort of made me realize the impact that film can have on someone. And then the, the other scenario was, I was, uh, I think I was 16 at the time. And my brother was studying architecture at, at Pratt Institute in Brooklyn. And we had lived in, uh, in New Jersey at the time, my family and you know, I, when I was in high school. And I went to visit him and a friend of his had this, he was in the film program at Pratt. It was just ha happened to be a, a friend of my brother's. But he had he had made this, and it, it sounds silly, but he had made this music video for uh, I think a, a, a Limp Biscuit track, where he took where he took every word of that music video and translated it into well, kind of something that was uh, concrete or a visual of some sort. So he illustrated every single word of that music video into a, into a visual. And it was sort of, it was so messy and so fast. And the pacing was like fucking out of control, but I couldn't believe it. I was like, this guy's studying that. That's what he's studying to make a living. And even though I, it was Limp Bizkit, right? But it was, uh, it was a very inspiring moment. I think, I think that moment was like a kind of a spark where I decided that I, I wanted to study this. Or I wanted to go down that path. Yeah, I feel like that's something that happens to every filmmaker when they realize like, wait, you're gonna, that's gonna be your career? Like you're just playing, that's, you're just creating. Like what? It's crazy. You just realize that that's a possibility. And I mean, how could you not want to explore that? Um, yeah. Tell me a little bit, cause you were born in Qatar, right? And then moved to the States. Yeah. How, how would you say like your multicultural background has influenced you know, your visual style? Well, I don't think it's, uh, I don't, I mean, obviously it, it does influence my visual style, but I don't think it's something that is conscious, right? I think it's something that just happens so kind of subconsciously. And, um, you know, the fact that I'm Middle Eastern and that I grew up in Doha, well, I didn't really grow up there, but I lived there for, for eight or nine years. And then we, we go back and forth to the Middle East every summer um definitely had something to do with the way i not approach visuals but the way i look at life in general right because i was always kind of alienated in uh, america i never felt like i was american mm -hmm. and i still don't feel like i'm an american so i kind of see the the world in two different perspectives in the kind of middle eastern way and the kind of american westernized way so I think that, that it, influences, uh, it influences my thought process quite a bit and my perspective quite a bit. And that inherently becomes a part of your work, right? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I, I have a similar experience in that I was born in Mexico City, moved to the States when I was six, six and a half. 
and yeah, you know, it's going back and forth and suddenly living this like kind of splice of your identity and then kind of just learning how to adjust to that. And you're right. I guess it's not something you're constantly aware of, but yeah. it's just kind of how you live your life. It's, I guess, any project you approach then you just live it with the sensitivity. Yeah. Um, a question, you know, I feel like filmmakers often get asked by students or aspiring filmmakers is what advice they would give. And that's something I want to ask both of you, but reframed a little. Um, like Steve, if you could sit down with yourself at the moment that you decided you wanted to be a DP, what would you tell yourself? Like what advice would you give? You mean knowing what I know now? The sort yeah. of, if me yeah. from now Present day what? Steve, current Steve on the rocking chair sits down with like young Steve. Young Steve with the Afro, just just so you know, Steve has had that Afro and he was born with the Afro. He came out with an Afro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. You know, it's it's. I I don't think you should look upon the past past with regret. What you know, I I, I tell you a very interesting conversation that I had with. Um, uh, it, it, it's quite. A, it's a very interesting story. It might seem quite brutal, but. Um, you know, I, I, first of all, I, I, I like Khalid. I get a lot of messages and people uh, asking for advice. Uh, we're so connected right now through Instagram, through Messenger, through whatever. And I'm, I'm, I put myself out there. My, my email and my phone number is on my website. There's Instagram. It's not private. If anyone wants to contact me, they can. And actually, what I like to do is I like to call people up. There's not enough, com there's not enough conversation going on. So if people, if people direct message me, I, I, I will more often than not ask for their number and just call them out of the blue. And it, it does, I don't think it matters where you are. It's a really nice thing to do. Because when I was back, when, I, when I'd left film school, there was none of that. And I remember sending out literally hundreds of CVs and receiving no replies. And it was very demoralizing. Anyway, I digress. Anyway, so this one kid, um, from part of the world rang me, uh, messaged me. I rang him back. He's like, oh my God, thank you. I, I, and he said, I'm in a bind. I'm, I'm stuck doing really, really boring kind of infomercials and all that kind of stuff. And I want to know, I want to make a break. I want to know what to do. And I said, well, I can say that he lives in Australia. He lives in a city in Australia. And he started to kind of, talk about himself and he had a, a partner and a child and all that kind of stuff and um I basically said to him how badly do you want to be a DP and he said um really really badly and I said well it sounds but it, it basically he wasn't earning any money his, his partner was earning money he had his child so he was in a bit of a quandary and essentially I said to him how badly do you want it and he said badly. I said, well, I think you have to leave your family. Yeah. And he was kind of freaked out. He was kind of freaked out. And obviously I wasn't telling him to leave his family, but I was trying to gauge how, how badly he wanted it. Was it, it was a weird little, you see where I'm going with this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And essentially he got, he got into a point in his life where I don't, could he turn it around? So I guess the advice is, you know, it's about your personal life. It's about relationships. It's about children. It's about all that kind of stuff. 
and I remember a time I'm, I'm I'm very open with my life I remember a time many many years ago when my old uh, an old partner my old partner um it's, it's a tricky story but we were going to have triplets and there was a, a, a you know a, a a miscarriage and it was very sad and very very traumatic but I know that if those triplets had been born my career would have stalled I can tell you that right now so do you see, do you see where, where I'm going with this again and and you know you've got to be so guided you've got to be like an exocet missile if you want to succeed as a DP you can't let anything stay in your way and I know I know what Khalid goes through because he has a child and it's the same thing that I go through with my child. And it's, it's every time you go on a job and you leave that, that creature, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking, but what's the balance anyway? Yeah. No, I hear you. Yeah. No, I think that's a, that's a point that isn't spoken about much too. Is how badly do you want it? And what, like, for example, my priorities 20 years ago, or sorry, not even, uh, before I had my kid, my kid's four now and four and a half. And my priorities back then were completely different than they are now. And it's funny because uh, what Steve's saying is how badly do you want this? I think about that all the time now about what the balance is. Like in, in, the, um, in the year 2019, I was home for less than 40 days, which means that I was, I saw less than well, a little bit more than a month of my my kid's three-year-old life. And then at the beginning of this quarantine, you know, I was home for three months, which was kind of a joy. And then since May, I've been back and forth between Barcelona and, and now, now I'm in Saudi Arabia. And I know that I'm going to be here until April, so I'm going to miss most of his four-year-old life. But luckily, I have a, I have a wife that is very supportive and is is um is happy to take the the lead when i'm not home and uh, never complains about it so i think that uh that you have to kind of find the balance between yourself and whoever your partner is and if you and you know if you end up kind of working it out yeah because at one point it becomes harder than anything in the world and i remember steve told me this he's like one day you're gonna you're gonna leave home and it's gonna be one of the hardest things you've ever done no matter how much you love this this game that you're in, right? No matter how much you love and, and uh, adore what you do, but there's a creature that you've made that needs you to be home, and you're not, and you're not home. So it's tough. It's really, really difficult. I mean, I, I would say that that's probably the most difficult thing right now. And I've I've been weighing pros and cons of uh, of ending my career. To be honest, <laughs> I swear. <it's> like, <laughs> I think. Because it's they're, like they're, now. They're, they're... Sorry, say again, Khalid. No, I'm just. I know. I know. I'm gonna be gone now for, well, excluding Christmas. I'll be home two weeks in Christmas, but then until the the middle to end of April, working on this film, and that's a long time to be away from somebody. The longest I've been away from Sebastian was when I when I moved to Barcelona in May, and that yeah. was three months. And at the at the end of that three months, those that last month was so difficult. It was so difficult because every time I would talk to him, he's old enough now to understand um, certain things. And every time I talked to him for the last month, he'd ask me, Dada, when are you coming home? 
So that was that was heartbreaking. And it was almost like I didn't even want to talk to him because I didn't want to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's that whole it's it's that, it, I mean it's 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 essentially the balance between between um I don't know, it's 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 in our nature to 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 procreate, isn't it? We all we all we all need to procreate. We no one wants to die all alone. That's essentially what's what it's about, isn't it? You know, when you when you're on your deathbed, Khalid, you know, do, do you, you want your child there? I'm serious, it's really like a really serious thing. But you want your child there, you want your you want your loved ones there, your grandchildren. You you, you don't want to be all alone and just but but the but our our, our industry is is completely uh ill ill equipped to to keep families together. <laughs> yeah. You hear story, you hear occasional stories about you know, families traveling alone and traveling the world and all this kind of stuff. And, and I'm sure that happens, but, but generally the, the, the mother or the father, depending who the DP is or depending who works in the industry will, will stay at home and it's hard to get a balance. I mean, I, I, I look at some of the, the, the female DPs who have kids and it's like, wow, holy shit. Yeah. That's beyond, beyond incredible. I don't even, even yeah. Harder. Even harder. Sorry, so, guys, it's, it's it's freezing in this hotel room. I've got to I've got to turn off the air. But okay. go on. <laughs> uh, no, I mean this is it's interesting because I grew up in that world. I grew up with a dad who was off shooting for months and months and months at a time. And from a very young age, I've known I wanted to work in film. And I told myself from a very young age that that meant I couldn't have a family. And that's just the way I've thought my entire life, like career, that's it. Family, like I, you know, my parents fortunately were able, my dad brought us along for a few projects. We did travel, but there were also times where it was six months out of year and we would Skype once a week or something. So it is. I mean, I mean you know, you know what Marie, it's, it's about freedom of choice. And, and essentially, you know, if I look at who I was back in 2009, 10, 11, 12, before my daughter was born, it, 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 any job I got offered, it was just, I had fr- absolute piecemeal freedom, whether it yeah. was a little music yeah. video, a passion piece, mm-hmm. uh, a big commercial, whatever. There was no money issues, no nothing. Yeah. And, and, and then the minute, the minute that child is born, everything, everything changes. Suddenly you don't have that freedom because suddenly, okay, maybe I've got to do that, that kind of, shitty commercial to earn a bit of money to to put it to put in the trust fund or to put in the bank or pay the mortgage and suddenly actually no, i'm going to do that job in in london so i don't have to be in la for three weeks so as soon as that child is born your 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 career path is altered massively um and so my 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 main advice if I, i i was on set just a couple of weeks ago trying to um my trainee, a lovely girl called Ice, and um, saying just just make sure that 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 you focus on your career right now. Don't do anything silly. Don't 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 even get into a relationship until you're sure. But it's a hard one because sometimes it can seem like you're telling someone to be a a goddamn film monk and not get into a relationship and not have any kids. And 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 but it's kind of true. It's a real tough one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to digress a little and talk yes. 
<laughs> That's wonderful <laughs> and deep as that got, but I want to talk, you know, about the changes that we've seen in terms of the, the plethora of content out there. You know, it used to be 20 years ago, you were kind of seeing the same things as everyone else. You know, there was one or two movies released a week, four or five channels. And now I honestly feel like I spend more time scrolling through Netflix than actually picking something. It's incredibly overwhelming. So I guess I want to hear a little bit about how this has affected your careers, your choices, or just the way that you even um, digest films out there now. You got to it. And we were talking about this the other day, right? How yeah. uh, I almost just shut it off because there's so much. And there's so much of the, um, what was the question actually? Just how has that affected you in terms of either taking projects on, realizing that they might just get lost in the void or in terms of how you watch films? I don't, just the whole concept. I, to be honest, I, I, I don't necessarily think that that, I mean, it's definitely brought in a, a quite a bit of opportunity. It's easier to be a filmmaker, no matter what you want to do now, than, than it has been ever. But at the same time, I don't think it actually affected the way I take on projects because I've always been, um, I've always had this three rule book, uh, three rule kind of um, thing that I live by. And, uh, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you what that is in a second. But I always feel like if there's a if there's a director that has something to say, not just the director that's making content, then I probably want to be involved in what he has to say as long as I agree with it, obviously. But same with the DPs. You know, one of the reasons why I really respect Steve's work is because it has it has something to say, right? It's not just a pretty image, because anybody can put a pretty image together. It's like what are what are the um, what are the the subconscious things that are going on in the in the artist's mind when you're actually putting that image together does that speak a language does that have a, a soul does that have um a concrete sense to it or is it just something that is that looks pretty you know so there is um it's a tricky one it's a tricky one but to get back to my my three rules and it maybe kind of answers the question uh that you asked before to Steve, but I always look at things in three ways, the, the projects, and this relates to commercials, to music videos, to films, is one, is is the project good? Is it creative? So in, in a case of a feature, is the script good? And the second rule is, um, is it, am I gonna be surrounded by good people or is it good contacts? Is it good, uh, are they smart, sophisticated people, or is it just a bunch of guys that just want to make anything happen, right? And then the third one's money. And it used to be one of those three things. Like if, if a project didn't have any of those three things, then I would pass without a question. And then it, little by little, it was like, it has to be one of those things. So if a project was this corporate job with, a, with just a, a corporate director, but it was a, 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 a crazy amount of money, which I, of course, at the beginning of my at the beginning of my career, I did tons of that, and it it provided me a lot of money, and I uh, and ended up investing in a lot of things and passion projects and equipment and things like that, and then little by little, it became two of those three things. So it would be like the script is really good, 
and this happens quite a bit, the script is really good. The director and the producer and the people that are involved in this are phenomenal artists, but the money is shit. So there's a balance there where I feel like now getting into features, I'm, I'm going to deal with that a lot. I'm going to deal with really good scripts, um, you know, with good directors that have a lot of potential and really want to say something with their film, not just making another another Netflix film, but the money isn't going to be there. The money isn't going to be as good as it is in commercials, for example, you know, or the in, in another scenario. And I got this advice from a really, really uh, established, successful DP. I won't say his name because I just just for the hell of it, right? But uh, he said you're never gonna get a, a a great script, and I hope he's listening actually. But he said you're never gonna get a good script with a great director. It's gonna be either one. Mm. He says you're either gonna get a script that is good that you can see a little bit of potential in, but you don't really understand, or you're gonna get a really good direct, or you're gonna get a great script with a director that you don't believe in, mm. and. <laughs> it sounds insane but because you look at this person's body of work and you're like how how did you how did you not think that's because he's worked with top level um like some of the best most influential directors in the world and you look at it and you say how how did you not see something in that in that script you know and, and he said no when i read it i actually didn't even understand it <laughs> i just had i had to put full trust in this director that he's going to pull it off. Right, right. So is he someone that lives by the director over script, would you say? In that, in that scenario, on those three projects that we, we had discussed at the time, yeah. Hmm. He, he didn't, uh, one of them, he didn't understand the script so much. The other one, he's like, okay, I see potential in it, but it's just another, it's just another drama. Mm -hmm. And the third one, I don't, I don't remember, but he, he just put all the trust in these directors that they're going to make something different. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Steve, what about you going back to just the oversaturation of content? No, you could, you know, I, I, I was thinking about this and um, I don't know, you look, you look back in the past and you look at the old model, you look at the way that the model of, of, of cinema has changed. You know, cinema used to be, uh, multiple theatres in various towns and cities screening a film. Um, the block, you know, whether it was Gone with the Wind or Citizen Kane or whatever, Atticus Finch. Um, and then the blockbusters came and, 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 they, and some, suddenly cinemas were saturated with Jaws and Star Wars and E.T. and, and those kind of films. And 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 then they get reviewed, and I don't know. I, I wouldn't have a clue what it was what, what it was like to be a DP or director in those times. But I would imagine that that part of the pleasure, part of the the aftermath of making the film would be to see your film getting praise in the press. And there wouldn't have been that many films reviewed because not that many films were made. Um, so so being a opening a newspaper, whether whether it's the Guardian in London or the, the New York Times or the LA, whatever, would have been an incredible experience, I think. Um, and that, that, that same kind of model maybe changed with the multiplexes, more films were made, more saturation, 
but essentially it's the same thing. And now that that model has just vanished out the window, you know. And um, yeah, I, I I always I always look upon maybe maybe it's me in my my kind of mind, but I look upon I look at films of say the seventies, eighties, nineties, the classics, and you know I think I don't know about you, but do, do most people know who won? Oscars in certain years, what won the best films? I don't, I don't know. That whole thing's gone. But at the same time, I, I, I wouldn't know which film won the Oscar just four years ago. Mm-hmm. And so, and so our, our, our minds have been just, just completely obliterated of, of, of having film as, as, as sort of gospel templates, I guess. It's a, it's a strange one. And I said, I said this to you yesterday, the other day that, that, you know, you, you, you load up a Netflix app and the logo comes on and then, and then you're greeted with dozens and dozens of thumbnails and each thumbnail represents years of a person's life. And that's all it is now. It's just a little tiny thumbnail on an iPhone or an iPad. Years and years of someone's heart, blood and soul condensed into that, that you just, I can't be bothered with that. Oh, look, there's, there's another genre film made by Amazon. I don't know. It's 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 difficult. But as a ch- I remember as a child, e- each film that was released was it was an event. Going to the cinema was an event. Um, yeah, it's 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 tough. You have to adapt. You have to adapt. That's all I'm going to say as well. Yeah. What Living what would you say uh, to what Khalid had his comment about the script versus director? Has that been something that's true in your experience? No, I mean, um, I think a lot of it is, is it's to do with just, I, I remember my first film, tiny, tiny film, 300 grand. Which film is this, Steve? Kissing Candice. Uh-huh. And it was, it, was, it was a film that I didn't even, I didn't even have to read. I, I, I knew I was going to do it because I trusted the director. The director was... Um, yeah. An amazing woman called Aoife McArdle, who who had a very very dark and unique and exciting vision of a version of life, and of and and yeah, it was like not even a question. I thought I have to do this film, and it was a very tough film to make, um, and and sometimes that happens. It's it's yeah, it's 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 a it's a weird one. I've 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 said yes to films on a whim. I've, 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 I've been, I've, I've gone into a weird kind of, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a hard one choosing, choosing the films. You have to be extraordinarily careful. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's one of the toughest things. One of the toughest decisions. It's, it's, it's the memento story, the story of memento. I mean, I, I don't know if it's true, but I heard, I heard this from someone. Yeah. The number I of DPs who, who turn memento down. Yeah. It's phenomenal. 30, 40 DPs turned it down. But imagine, imagine you're a DP and here's this little far, I don't know what the budget was, five, six, seven million. I think it was the following actually, Steve, not Memento, right? No, no, no. I'm talking about the following he made in London. The yeah, following. following. He made. It's like yeah, that was, that was London. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. That's that his was first tiny. Right. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah. Memento, imagine, imagine, Khalid, you get a script and it's this British guy and you read it and it's like, okay, what the hell is going on? It's, it's the past, but it's the present. It's filmed in reverse. It's black and white in colour. 
and and everyone under the sun turned it down but Wally Fister didn't turn it down and and it's that whole kind of sort of historical thing of of this amazing relationship that that may or may not have happened but um I I, I I'd love to have read being one of those DPs reading Memento and yeah yeah it just it's that whole thing but you don't really know no no one really knows agents like to think they know DPs <laughs> like to think they know but no one really knows no, and there's just no. there's, there's there's very few films out there that are truly truly the last time it happened with me actually and I and, and I and I read the script and I saw it I saw it it was with Mandy I I, I read the script for Mandy this Nick Cage film and um I thought, holy shit, this is incredible. And, and, and all the references that came out, the lookbook that came with it, knowing who the director was, um, I, I, and I didn't get it. And it went to Ben Loeb and um, Ben Loeb fucking killed it. <laughs> it's, an amaz- it's an amazing film. You're talking about Mandy? Yes. Yeah, Mandy's so out there, it's crazy. Yeah. And then yeah. we did a Nick Cage film, what was it, two years ago? Let's move on. Okay, <laughs> next topic. <laughs> um, you, Steve, kind of brought this up earlier in terms of you know being connected to Instagram and having access to cinematographers and just you know, being able to be in contact with them. Um, yeah. It's just, it's insane, the mm-hmm. what we have in our pockets, what it can connect mm-hmm. to the resources. So I want to touch yeah. a little bit about either how you have used that to your advantage. I know Khalid, you, we touched on how there's YouTube videos for learn anything. So is there, are there specific resources that you would recommend to filmmakers? Well, are you asking me or Khalid? Let's start with Khalid. Okay. Or you, if he doesn't want to go. <laughs> oh, no, I'm just thinking because it's a, it's a blessing and a curse. Because I, I mean, I mentioned this yesterday, right? But um, like, I'm prepping the film that I'm on now, and and um, anytime a- anything that you used to say, uh, we can Google it now. You can YouTube it. There's a video for like literally everything. You can Google any. I mean, you can YouTube anything. It's it's kind of outrageous. And I discovered this during quarantine. I didn't realize the power of YouTube until I had time on my hands. You know, and I had to uh, like whip myself into shape, like physical shape and, you know, not having a gym, not having a trainer. I would just type it in on YouTube, like anything. And there'd be tons of videos on it. So now it's the um, the learning process has become. I don't know. I mean, it's so accessible. It's so accessible. And, I, and, and my wife and I talk about this, about if. We want to say say my my uh, my son becomes a DP, which he probably will. <laughs> but if he does, would I send him to 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 university or to college to to study it? And to be completely honest, I I I myself dropped out of three film schools, and that was before I think YouTube has had just started to come out, and the internet had just started to become this thing. But now the technical sides of it are, are I mean, you, you would have to be blind to, to not see it. It's so easy. It's so easy. F- figuring out how to, how to technically light something or how to frame something. I mean, it just becomes, 
if you want to copy and paste, it's very simple. You can copy and paste. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It, and even even story as well. You know, it used to it used to it used to when it, when it used to be mythical. It used to be how how do they do that? And when you're in the, when you're yeah. on the peripheries, it is like that. I, I I remember. You know, it's the only time I've actually done it. It's the only time I've I've sort of rung a DP. Maybe I've done it a couple more times, but the, there's one pivotal promo that I remember looking at, and it was for um for the Doves. I I, I mention this promo all the time for so a Lynn Ramsey music video for Black and White Town and. I remember looking at the raw beauty of it and thinking, how was it done? And I rang the DP, Tom Vincent Townend, and and he told me, and it was like, that's just ridiculously easy. And and it <laughs> it, it was it was so mythical, it looks so difficult, but it's not. Khalid's right. Yeah. But um I think it's I I it's, I, I call it like a democratization of knowledge. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a really I think it's a good thing, but it, I think it should be balanced. You know, I, I think it, it's good in that for for for, for young kids um, of all uh, all colours, races, creeds, all around the world to be able to l- look at interviews with DPs, look at workshops is is beyond incredible. But I think the misuse can come with a, a sort of a humbleness and a humanity that's required to being on film set. I mean. As a as a as a DP, um, you are you you control a quite a quite a you've got quite a powerful role there, and and um, you're responsible for a crew, the grips, the sparks, the camera team. Your your mood and your temperament has a massive massive say on how a film set is run. If if you get angry and you're in a bad mood, that will spread like a disease. And it's not a pleasant thing, so I, I I think I think going through the camera ladder and and being learning for years not 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 twenty thirty years I'm talking three four five six years and sitting there and, and learning and observing and getting to know a set getting to be on a set learning about the hierarchy I think it's massively important and. Um, and and that democratization of knowledge may be draining that as a resource. I, I still think being a trainee for 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 a good two three years, a clapper loader, two or three years, a focus puller. It's not to say that you shouldn't that you, that you shouldn't be able to break through that barrier if you've got talent and you're racing through. God bless you. Go you know Godspeed and and I wish you all the best. But but anyway, yeah. That's what I think. No, I see what you're saying. It's almost like developing that reverence yeah. for the set. It, it is crucial. It's yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to dive into this art versus commerce thing that we brought up. Okay. Uh, you know, it's really broad. It's a term that could be defined in many ways, but in film, uh, it kind of art commerce on either side of a scale, you know, there's a balance. Um, and they're they're dependent on each other. So, Steve, could you just talk a little bit about your thoughts on this concept and whether those thoughts have shifted throughout your career? Yeah, I mean, I, all, all, all I can do is I can I can I can say it as a story. And there's two stories where where one story ended in joy and happiness, and the other the other story that it ended in in me literally in tears. 
and it, and it's the way it's been so you know the, the the positive story is is you know me me um a, getting approached to do a, a massive commercial with some very good directors for a, 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 a hotel brand pay is just full big job massive all the toys um but it's a commercial you know and then i and then in amongst all this i get asked to do a tiny 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 little music video that's minuscule shot around la like 10 days of my time no money and i i i gamble and go with the music video because the music there's something about the script there's something about um what i'm reading that just is is just turning my mind on and and i'm drawn to it i have to follow the art and just dispense with the commerce <laughs> and um and and i and i do well I, I i i do the music video and it's a big success and it takes my career up a notch and and that's how it should be you know um yeah but but there have been times where I've gone down that same road and it's failed. It's absolutely failed because I, I don't, I, I was saying this the other day, it's, it's, it's like a scale, art and commerce, you know, there's, there's like art, art, art films, music, low budget music videos, short films, and then there's commercials. And it's the same with films is there's a film made by Marvel, Disney, whoever, and and there's a very very sort of there's an A twenty four film an Annapurna film a beautiful David Lowry film whatever, um, so it's yeah it's hard, but the other the other story is I I, I you know I I chose the commercial and the music video went on to be very beautiful it's yeah there's there's a dozen stories like that, and you're always yeah. having to balance. I'll it. always it remember that story, Steve. I'll always remember so, yeah. that. Because I, I remember when we when we had first met, you um you mentioned that. Yeah. And that, yeah, yeah. That kind of but, triggered a lot of a lot of things for me. Yeah. Also, but it's, it's, like, it, wow, it, they're turning down a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. But it, but here's the thing: if 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 you're if you're, I, I think I think you're the same, Khalid. If 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 you had if you if you're if you're if you have various pencils in your diary for commercial, commercial, commercial. Money, 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 and they're all there, and it's just another commercial. If 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 you get that little script by that director that you love, and I know who, we all know who they are, yeah, and, and it's that little yeah. that little gem. It, there's no question. You will brush all that money aside, no matter what. The, correct? Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, I think there's a there's a point too where. You know, now I'm transitioning into features and I know it's similar to how, like I started out in documentary and not even really intentionally. It was kind of something that I just fell into, but I started out in, in documentary and news. Like I, I worked for the United Nations because I never wanted to be broke. I never wanted to be completely fucking broke trying to make films. I just didn't, I, I thought, I, look, I'm, I'm going, I'm dropping out of film school. I've got to make a living. You know, I'm not dropping out of film school and not making a living. You know, that's that's, that's just I, I will not allow myself to do that. 
So I got a job at the United Nations that was proposed to me working for, for UN TV and working for uh, press TV and all these associated press and all sorts of kind of media outlets at the, at the base, at the, at the United Nations headquarters. And so many great things came out of that, but the, that was kind of my, my commerce, right? I made money that way. And then I took that money and I very strategically placed it in certain areas like passion projects and, uh, and uh, owning equipment and renting equipment and, uh, you know, all the, all the things that kind of to take you to the next step. And then little by little, I couldn't leave the UN until I knew for a fact that I can make a living and of course it wasn't like my standards weren't very high at the time right it was just making a living meaning like i could pay rent i could pay food i didn't want to leave the un until i was i, I knew 100% that i can do it freelancing cuz freelancing is a is a tough one right when you're first yeah. starting freelancing it's like holy fuck if i don't work next month it's okay if i don't work the yeah. next month Okay, but at one point, when this is what a lot of people don't talk about, it's similar to what happened during the uh, the quarantine. It has nothing to do with the money. It has everything to do with your headspace. Yeah. Because the first month of quarantine, I was like, this is fucking great. I love it. Even the second <laughs> month, I was like, this is fantastic. You know, everybody's in, in the everybody's in this together, you know, like I'm not, I'm not, not working because I'm, I'm no good. I'm not working because no one's working. And it helped me rekindle my relationship with a few friends and it helped me spend time with my family and blah, 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 all the cliche things that you hear. Right. But as the months go by, you start to, you start to, it starts to get to your head. It starts to get to your psyche and that's where it becomes I got this advice too from a, from a, I don't even remember who it was, but he said, an artist can't be an artist if you're worried about making money. Yeah. 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 And little by little, it was like, how much longer is this going to go? And I talked to my agents and I'd say, have you heard anything? Is, is it up and running again? And they're like, no, we've heard July. And I remember, I remember hearing July, like it was, if it went to July, I'd never survive. <laughs> you know? And now we're in what? We're in October. October. And it's still going on. And it's still go yeah, it's still going on. And it's gonna continue going on. But during those months that I wasn't working, it got to a point where I just I, I didn't know what to do anymore. And it got to my psyche. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it, it was it was it was fucking brutal. It was really, really brutal for, for about two to three weeks. And I didn't want to get in that situation. I didn't want to get in that situation when, uh, and that's why I took that shitty job at the UN. And that's why I took a lot of really shitty jobs is because I didn't want to, as long as I was working, then at least my headspace is right. At least I can think as an artist because I'm not worried about how I'm going to pay rent next month or I'm not worried about how I'm going to do this next month. So yeah, I, uh, I've got, um, I mean, I've got a lot to say about this topic, right? I can go on forever. So it's a, it's a weird one because, you know, not, not the whole art versus commerce thing. They can't, one, one can't live without the other. It's, it's impossible. They both, they both rely on each other. If one dies, the other dies. It's that simple, I think. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, even, you, you, know you, 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 of course, of course. 
people at the end of the day they're they're entertainment right like what what is a film if it's not a commercial success it's nothing like if if it doesn't if it doesn't become something that people see then what is you've made a film for yourself and you're looking at me like i'm crazy but it's true i mean you you have to make a, a film that even if it's a small niche of of an audience but at least it has a market yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Going back to sort of commercials, that you know, they, 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 they there is pleasure. There's immense when you when you do a good commercial, and it, yeah. and it, and it, and it, it there's, there's an immense pleasure, especially those beautiful narrative commercials, um, the commercials where you're really experimenting with visuals. Yeah. Um, there's a, there's immense pleasure there, but there's always a part of you that is. You know, you're, you're you're working for the man, <laughs> and um, and and that can be that can be quite draining. And often, often, often time, you know, there's 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 that classic thing. I'm sure you've been there, Cleve, where you agree to do a job, and and it changes without you. With, no one's told you, but it changes, and you're like, oh my god, and you just, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 100%. but but it's about it's about it, it's yeah. I mean, it's that it's that story that uh, who, who's who's uh, is it? Erin. Erin Wilde. Yeah. Yes. My yeah, 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 yeah. That story of 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 yeah. Anyway, <laughs> being I, being I, that, that's how stubborn I am. <laughs> um, I guess a question for both of you is, if you treat a project that is a commercial, just commerce driven, but you treat it as art and you go into it thinking of it as art, does it become art? Well, I mean, you know what, every, every, I honestly, I have this, I have this drive. I, I, it, maybe it's really, really stupid and naive, but every job that I do, I sincerely believe that going in there, I'm gonna do something incredible. And we can make, we can, I can somehow create images that will, that will transform this piece from whatever it is into something incredible. I genuinely, genuinely have that. It's, yeah. it's the child in me, and I, I think it has. Point. I think it ha that has to be there. The minute you, the the minute I go, in, I I couldn't imagine starting a job, going, oh god, this this is just a job. You have to go into it believing something that you're going to create something stunning and beautiful and different and interesting and experimental. And I do yeah. genuinely yeah. believe that with every job I do. Yes, but Steve, it, also, remember, also remember that I've ruined my reputation over this, about caring too much, you know? I've told you this story many times. And uh, yeah. how much do you care? There's times where the, the production company on, on a commercial is looking <laughs> at it as a money job, and then you come in, I swear, I've been labeled as a really aggressive guy that just wants to make a piece of art. And I'm like, what on earth is that? What I'm overly enthusiastic, too enthusiastic. Mi misplaced and passion and love, Khalid. Misplaced passion and love. No, but, you know, it, it's, uh, you've got to pick your battles, I think. I think there's a, there's a time and place to give it every single thing that you have and every ounce of energy that you have. And there's a time and place where you could sit back and just say, I'm going to do my best and this is going to be the best version of this as it's going to be. But um, no matter what, no matter how good of a version it is, it's always going to be, it's always going to sit at this level. 
it'll never be that level. And there's no harm in that. I, for me, there's no harm in that. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I, 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 I there's, there's, there's something so lovely about what you just said about, because I, I know who you are, Khalid. I know, I know there's a, there's a, there's a dragon's fireball inside you. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but with good intentions, with good of course, intentions. No, of course, of course, of course. And sometimes no, that good intention doesn't come across. But but not not everyone is not everyone is on the same wavelength as you. Yeah. And you know, I I, I, I used to I was there many, many, many years ago and and I, yeah. I it's terrifying, isn't it? Absolutely yeah, terrifying. Sure. Sure. But but um Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, you know, it's, it's 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 interesting, it's interesting speaking to, to the to the agents and and um and and you know, my, 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 one of, one of my agents who reps me in the UK and Europe, um, I, I, I love her for her honesty. She's so freaking honest and, and, and it's such a rare quality. And, and she will say, I remember her saying to me many years ago, you know, just be really careful. Your the reputation thing and, and, and you the blood drains from your face. You want to die. You want to shrivel up into a ball. You're embarrassed. What have I done? But you you have to move on. And um, it's interesting also hearing the stories of other DPs and how they they deal with it and and how mature they are and how how sensible they are and how they don't let the 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 the, the fireball erupt of passion and 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 beautiful fury. It's it's yeah. It's all everyone's everyone's very very different. I just think I think um, maybe being clear too similar <laughs> in certain ways. Well, Khalid, I want to talk a little bit about your stills photography. And if anyone watching isn't familiar with his stills, please go check them out because they're truly they're stunning. And I mean, clearly it's something you're gifted at. And you've mentioned that people want to rep you, but you've made the choice to shoot stills as a passion and not turn it into commerce. And I just yes. want to hear a little bit about that. Yeah. I mean, there, there was, there were times where I feel like I, I, I am really in love with not just the image, but the process of making an image, uh, a stills image and the power of a still image, you know, capturing a moment in time, but, also manipulating it you know there's so many different kind of ways of approaching it but um yeah in terms of representation i have i have been i've been i've been asked by a lot of kind of um fairly successful agencies and a lot of really kind of um successful photographers why on earth would you not be represented as a photographer and and the the main reason is because i don't want it to destroy my hobby you know, I don't want it to, uh, I don't want it to become a job. If it becomes a job, um, then I won't, I don't know, I won't enjoy it. I, I, maybe, maybe there's a 1% chance that if that project becomes something that I'm not happy with, that it could destroy one of my only hobbies. Because, I mean, my, my hobbies are, are so limited. I there's not many things that I really really enjoy doing and shooting stills is definitely one of them so it's it's really hard because i know that i can do it and i know that i can do it quite well 
But you I don't want to. Ruin the, I thought you. I thought you enjoyed watching Housewives of New Jersey. Cool. I love that too. I love that. You've got you've got the cal- you've got every got the calendar and everything, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. I, I love. It. <laughs> <laughs> no, the Housewives of of Miami actually now is the okay. new one. Now one's even better. So I'll send you my favorite episode. <laughs> no, I mean that. But makes no, sense. I, 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 I talked to Steve about this because at one point, at one point, another, another thing that was like, oh, Khalid is this wild card. You know, I wanted to figure out a way to work with a collective of artists as, uh, as still photographers, whereas I. I wanted to kind of start a, a, a collective where you take these uh, directors and these uh, these DPs that are clearly very gifted and clearly very uh, qualified to uh, to shoot still photography in the in the editorial space in the portraiture space and in all sorts of mediums, right? But that quickly got shut down because I, again, I I gave it thought. And I gave it some real thought and I spoke to a few agents about what that would actually, what the space would actually look like. And um, I don't want it to take away from one, my career as a, as a cinematographer. And two, I don't want it to destroy my passion for stills. Yeah. I hope that answers your question actually. No, it absolutely does. I mean, now I'm curious, Steve, do you have any hobbies that you know, kind of something that is different than, you know, filmmaking that. No. I mean, to be, to be, to be, to be honest, I, look, I do, I do have hobbies. I, I don't know. I mean, I guess the word hobby is, hobby to me is a strange word, but you know, when I work, it's, it's all encompassing, you know, the travel, the intensity, whatever. And when I'm home, um, I don't know. I have I have interests. <laughs> uh, you know, my daughter, my my daughter is definitely a hobby. My my lovely girlfriend Cherie, she's a she's definitely uh, you know I wouldn't call her a hobby, but it's something that I'm some, someone that I love very much and very passionate about. Um, yeah, I just uh, I just like to do my thing: bike rides, walks, the simple um, pleasures. Just, yeah, think, well, exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. People that don't know, Steve Steve was one of the, probably the only DPs that I, I know personally that would, like, the amount that, not just that he works, but he puts out consistently good work. I mean, I, and I mean it every time I say this, I think Steve's one of the most gifted cinematographers living today. I really do. I believe that. And Dan, Dan, Dan <laughs> had this conversation where we're like, when Steve gets that opportunity to stop, he's gonna crash really hard because it was just like, <laughs> we were just going and going and going, and it was just like every single project was just better than the other or different than the other, and it was it was really mind blowing. And and I'm actually I don't think I've ever asked you this, but how did you deal with the quarantine and how did you deal with stopping? Because you you went I, I, feel, I, well, right? I had a I had a breakdown. Yeah. No, come on. <laughs> Come on. I'm see. I'm serious. Really? I'm serious. Yeah, I'm seeing a therapist. It because was really you couldn't, tough. You I'm not, I'm couldn't not gonna... handle the time. You couldn't handle being. Uh, away no, it was. From... It was. It was just. I'll be honest with you. So when it when it all happened, I, you know, I'd 
I had a really one of a really good job lined up and and it got cancelled and and you're you're watching the news and you're you're keeping abreast of things and suddenly countries are banned, airports shut. It it was it was a very 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 unique experience. So a very new experience, and and there's no you enter a tunnel and you don't know when it's going to end because no one on the planet had been there before, and 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 you think what will happen, and um, yeah, will there be will there be an industry? And I think for a month or two, definitely a month or two, no one really knew, and and I was seriously, I mean, people, I, I remember speaking to friends about this, but I was thinking. Should I retrain and become a teacher? Should yeah, I, what should, you know, what, what will happen? Do, do I become a delivery driver? I mean, we lit, no one literally didn't know. No, and, I, and I, a, I thought the same thing. I swear. Yeah, because eventually, if, if this thing goes on for, would, would, would this deep, deep quarantine go on for a year or two years? And no, no one knew. There were very, very, I, I didn't really like to talk to that many people. But the few people I did talk to, it was this will be two months tops, and then yeah. it'll be fine. Yeah, utter utter bullshit, obviously. And then there were people. This is going to be a year or two, and and I was I'll be honest with you when it when it did start to open up, when the phone did start to ring again, it was uh, I was a bit whoa, but uh, but no, that that the, the trauma of it, the absolute trauma of it was was intense for me. Um because I, I absolutely love and adore what I do. And, and, and you know, I, 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 look at the, I look at what's going on in the world and it's not just BP, it's, it's, it's just with humanity, the, the little tiny stories out there of COVID. You know, you know, I was on set the other day in Spain and we were shooting this, um, I was shooting a lovely Sprite commercial with a, with a very, very lovely director, Nico, and, and we were shooting this scene where some girls were playing rugby. Um, and there was an extra sitting around and she was sort of looking at me with the camera and, and eventually she had the nerve to come up to me and say, um, did, you, did you go to film school to, to, be a, to, be, to do what you're doing? And I said, well, yeah, it's not just film school though. It's, it's a lot of hard work. And I said, why are you asking? And she said, well, you know, I spent, three or four years doing um, tourism business management at, at, at college. And I started a business when I was very young. She's this, this very young girl. And, and, it, and it collapsed. It collapsed just after I started it two months. And now I don't know what to do. And that's, that's COVID. It broke my heart. This young girl just, just she'd given four years of her life to this, to her passion, um, yeah. you know, business tourism and management and it had been she started a business that young and it got ripped apart from her and now she hasn't got a clue what to do yeah i mean there's so many of those stories right yeah and it, yeah there's, there's filmmakers actually like focus pullers and and uh electricians that i know that don't trust this business anymore and have, have left and i yeah. bet that, there, that that exists everywhere in the entertainment business yeah i mean I, I i definitely won't name names but i was chatting to someone very recently a guy a guy who i trust and he was saying that um a friend of his 
COVID, COVID and the industry affected him so much. This was a focus puller. He committed suicide. So there's, wow. there's really, really, really dark things going on, yeah. you know. But I think I think beyond even before COVID, I, we're, we're all I I believe we're all just a hair away from being the man, the man, the the, the, the homeless man in the street. We we are. No, you know, you know what's funny is is the the director that I'm working with now. Wrote, he he directed a documentary called That Which I Love Destroys Me, and yeah. there's a segment in the film. It's a fucking phenomenal film about two um, Delta Force guys but that have ptsd the film deals with ptsd but there's a section in the film where one of the characters a, a real character is talking about humanity and he's saying and he was saying how you can take anybody any any man any woman in the world and you take their house away and they become depressed right you take their house and their wife away and then they become uh, suicidal uh, you take mm-hmm. their their house their kid their wife their livelihood and now he's a serial killer, you know? No, yeah. no, no. And, no, and, no, and no, no, no. I, I felt that because I really resonated with that because during COVID, I have a really hard time with my thoughts, right? Like if I was in solitary confinement, I would fucking go crazy. I would go fucking crazy. I really would. And I had a really hard time during the first kind of part of uh, COVID because... I didn't know what to do with my thoughts. I was like, are we going to get up and running in a few weeks or are we going to stay here for a month? So for the first two weeks, it was a little bit kind of trying to figure, no one knew what the hell was going on, right? The whole world shut down in a week. Yeah. In a week, the whole world changed. But So I, 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 um, I picked this thing. I was like, you know, fitness has always been something that I'm interested in. And, you know, at one point in my life, <laughs> believe it or not, I was in really good shape. And then little by little shooting and the film industry and the constant travel made me gain weight and it made me like unflexible and it made me just like so out of shape. I couldn't hike up a mountain. I couldn't run a 5K. It was like things like that where it used to be easy. Smoking a pack day, things, just the, all the things that people don't talk about, right? And <laughs> I swear, this is so true. And during quarantine, I got in shape. Like I was, I yeah, was like, one yeah. of those people. like there's one of those people that like, you know, picked up um, a Peloton before, just before, and and uh, kicked myself into shape for for three months. Yeah. And now I still do it. Like even yeah. though I'm not physically working out, but at least I'm I'm being careful with what I eat, and uh, it's helped me see, you know, or count my blessings. I'd say. Yeah. It's, it is. It is. I think we are all very fragile, though. And um, COVID, COVID was was just an amplification. It was. It was almost. Like, I feel like, as humans, we go through life getting gentle electric shocks. You know, children and and uh, this and that and deaths and whatever. But COVID was a real. You know, and it. 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 it I think. Yeah, I think I I think the um, the ramifications have yet to be seen. I don't mean to be a doomsayer or anything. No, I but, I, but, I agree. But when when the when the dust settles and and the, the the millions of people who have lost businesses and 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 
you know, had to watch their fathers die on a Zoom call, um, et cetera, et cetera. The, 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 um, the ramifications are going to be just, just horrendous. And I, I mean, think, the I think, the amount of debt that people are in. Not, not, not know. just death, not just death at all. I think, I no, think no, no, debt, debt. That, oh, yes, no, yeah, well, just, just, just business, business is being lost, families being lost. You know, I mean, th think about what you went through, Khalid, and you're, you're lucky. You, 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 you live yeah, in a very, you, you, you have a, a family, you have a child, love people, love ones around you, yeah, yeah, yeah. friends, savings. And, and, and COVID affected you for a few weeks. The industry came back and you grabbed onto it with your coattails and, and uh, you've earned some money and you're working again. It's the same with me. And now, Matt, you, the, the, the story that you've just told everyone about what happened in your head, imagine if it didn't. Imagine you were a, a restaurateur and you, you'd built up a, a beautiful restaurant in, in, uh, in Greenwich Village for 15 years. COVID happens, bang, it's shut. I mean, that's, that's, it's those stories times literally a million on a global scale. That's COVID. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm processing. It's what you're saying and just how fragile society and then us as humans are. Yeah. And you're Should right. You know what the PTSD that we're going to have as a, as a, world yeah. Will be. And to be, to be honest, there's, there is a, there is a message to be said to, to uh, a lot of the filmmakers that are out working. I'm not flaunting it. I'm, I'm trying to keep it as below the radar as possible because I know that there's, there's a tremendous amount of people that are still not working and still haven't worked since March. Yeah. So flaunting it on social media is one extremely pretentious but it's also it's also heartbreaking mm -hmm. yeah but this is this you will see we're going down a whole different avenue now of 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 humbleness and humanity and social media and what it means it's yeah we're, that's a whole other story i think can i can i ask you something maria are we are we going to let some people in people Just are in I, I have some questions uh let's let's dive into those uh, this came in through email yesterday, but uh, someone wanted to know that in a world where most available cameras for starting cinematographers um, are DS DSLRs or mirrorless cameras, what should their approach be when using the, these devices to really make the image stand out? I mean, this 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 conversation is just it's it's it's, uh, it's ten years ago. It's such it's so dated, and to be honest, I'm, I am. There's nothing to say about this, you know. There's there's a 5D Mark II that you can pick up, and it doesn't do um, the image that comes out of it is not that much different than what comes out of an Alexa, you know. It, it really isn't that much different. I, I think if you have something to say, as I and like I said it, if you have something to say and you really want to say it, you will do it regardless. There's yeah. the camera is the most irrelevant object at the moment you know like i don't i don't believe uh, a dp is even a cameraman you know they're not even i mean being a, a camera operator is is like one percent of what we do you know, you know what i'm saying and yeah. learning cameras is like that's like a 
you, you don't even need a penny to do that. You need one week to learn how to, how to do it and then go and, and do it. And one of I have this I have this thing I have this thing where because because Khalid is very Khalid is extremely technical and I have this little joke that I often do with Khalid where he'll put a post on Instagram yeah. <laughs> and it's the most technical thing and I'll I'll literally just make complete nonsense up and I love I love giving Khalid a little slap around the face. <laughs> it's really good because I, I literally really have a I always, I always look out for those comments. No, but. It, for me, for me, it's like it's more about the 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 photography side of it. There, there is some like, for example, I bought this Hasselblad camera. That the, the aesthetic of it is really impressive. What it physically looks like, and it's this ten thousand dollar camera, and every lens is five thousand dollars. You end up spending twenty thousand dollars on this thing, right? And at first when I first picked it up and I started shooting with it, I hated everything about it. The lenses are, are a three, five T stop and or F stop. And, and um, you know, the autofocus is inexistent and it's just, there's, there's like a summary uh, pages and pages of things about it that I didn't like where you can pick up a camera for a thousand dollars, like a Fuji, for example, and it's, it's autofocus functions and it's, it shoots 20 frames a second in stills and, it has 14 stops of dynamic range and it shoots DNG or raw or whatever. And, um, and I, I'm like, you know, so I, I posted some stuff about that and Steve, Steve got really, <laughs> really offended. <laughs> but, but, and the reason why I bring that up is, and the reason why I actually post that this is this specific camera is for two reasons, really. One is that to just to illustrate that here's this camera with this image versus, you know, if you go down on my post from four or five years ago, there's images that look equally the same that were shot on cameras that were that came out 10 years ago or five, six years ago. And there's there's really not that big of a difference. But at the same time, that camera has um, has taught me how to slow down, how to really think it's it's. I relate it to shooting film. And the reason why I haven't sold it as much as I hate it, no, I don't want to use the word hate because it's, it's, too, it's, too, uh, it's too aggressive. But as much as I dislike it, I do like the aspects of it that you're, you're, behind, you're behind the camera and you're actually, you have to think before you click. Mm. You got to think about everything before you click because it's just not fast. It's not a fast camera. So in a way, it's like shooting film again. Mm -hmm. So I've kept it for that reason, but I probably will end up selling it because, you know, I could just shoot film at that <laughs> for a much cheaper price range. Well, yeah, it sounds like it's like the reverence for the process that you're keeping it for. Yeah, <laughs> like a meditation. Mm. I've, 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 I've actually never, I've never owned, a, I've owned one uh, camera in my life. Three. One still camera. I, I brought a Pentax K1000 when I was seventeen. And I lost, it, mate. I lost it, I lost it, I lost it, I lost it somewhere. I could have lost, I might have lost it in Thailand somewhere, maybe like 15, 15 years ago. And I've never owned a camera since. I just don't, I just, um, I think I get enough, I get enough by working on a film set and, and making stills. And, and, and to be honest, I, I, I just, I like to enjoy moments as they happen with my eyes and people are taking 
photographs all the goddamn time. It's a whole cliche of going to a concert and 10,000 people with iPhones watching a concert. It's, you know, that's my thing. But, um, you know, I also have respect for someone like Khalid who, who I, I see his stills and obviously they're very beautiful. But I just, um, that, that, that thing, that just doesn't interest me for some reason. It's, it's a strange one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's you know. a super strange one. Because I, yeah. like, I think he would be like one of the, he would be a Gregory Crudson. You know, he would be, he would be an amazing. No, really, because he's got such a distinctive way of lighting and framing and kind of putting together an image. Maybe, maybe I just, maybe I just wouldn't be able to sort of translate, transfer what I do into a still. Mm. I don't know. It's a weird, it's a weird one. But um, do you remember when I, when I offered that up to you? I was like, you know what? I'm going to send you this. I think it was the Hasselblad. I said, this thing's fucking ki- driving me crazy. I'm going to send it to you. <laughs> you remember that conversation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Would, I would be so curious because you don't really need to do even more work. Just take stills on, this, on the film set that you're on. It's true. It's very true, actually. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. I appreciate I it. There's a, there's, a lot of it. There's, a lot of, there's a lot of great Instagram pages, you know, Veryl and uh, numerous others. And, and, and there's some beautiful stuff. And I really, really, really appreciate it. Yeah. You know, um, but um, yeah, just just not my bag, not my bag. So anyway, uh, someone just asked, do you believe that you could be a high level filmmaker, such as director, producer, or DP, while living in a city that's not LA, New York, or London? Yes. Do you think you can? Yeah, I do. I do now. Now, yes. Uh, Ten years ago, no. If you're going to put out a piece of work, and that piece of work is different, and I can't remember which film it was, but I saw a film recently that was so different. It was completely different than anything that I've ever seen before. And I remember thinking, "Oh my God, I haven't I haven't had this feeling in a long time," because in 1999 there was like from 1999 until about 2006 or 2007, I'd say. Maybe it was because I was younger and I was naive. I, I, I don't know, but it just seemed like there was there was creative content that was coming out all the time. Things that were new and fresh and uh, discovering new ways of telling a story or a new kind of way of um, describing a story or a, or a completely fresh sensibility. And I haven't seen that in such a long time. So I, I really do think that if, like, for example, the first question that you asked me about living in Doha, mm-hmm. you know, that brought a perspective to me personally that um, a sensibility that I don't necessarily think somebody that would that lived in New York or New Jersey or the East Coast would have had for sure. So, again, learning how to do it, the, the technical sides of it, it was really not that difficult, you know? And no matter how great an image looks, no matter how incredible the image looks, it's not going to make a good film. The film that I saw, oh my God, it's on the tip of my tongue, but it wasn't shot well. It was shot very poorly, actually. Tootsie? Was it Tootsie? No, no. Is <laughs> it? I don't remember, but look, what you said yesterday, Steve, how, yeah. how relevant we are in the, in the space, in the, in the yes. future landscape. 
it's com- we're completely irrelevant people because it does not matter. We don't matter because if you have, a, and this is something that I'll remember for the rest of my life, a pretty image will not make a good film. And that's why when I'm, when I'm picking and making decisions in prep, I'm making decisions. And sometimes I know that they're not the right visual decision. For example, on this movie, you know, there's, there's locations that are, that are visually almost impossible to light. They're, they're really difficult to light. And if I, was, if I was on a commercial, I'd speak up and say something like, this can't happen. You know, technica- the technical sides of my brain will start working about the reasons why we can't shoot here or we shouldn't shoot here. But on this film, I know it serves the story really well. And um, I know that the image will suffer, but the story will come across and the actress will have freedom. And, you know, I can't go into details about what the specific thing is, but uh, I'm sure you've been there, Steve. All all, all I would say about the whole city thing would be, you know, I I, I look at... um, people who are striving to enter the industry and and i think it's you know there's a word that gets banded around it's called luck and it's a it's a strange word to sort of try and rationalize but there are ways to make luck and 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 look if 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 you're a kid growing up in um i don't know chicago which doesn't really have a film industry um the chances of you becoming successful aren't going to be that great but if you move to LA you've made luck for yourself so you can create luck and that's that's my opinion on the whole thing yes but um, also 10 years ago Steve there was like for example before I started traveling before I understood the way the world worked before mm-hmm. I got a grasp even a small grasp of the way the world worked I I, I would think that Oh, I, I can never, I can never move to, I'm, look, I'm in Saudi Arabia now. I never moved to Saudi Arabia. There's not full people there. Or there's just not an art scene in, in the Midwest. I can't live there. But, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in Saudi Arabia in one of the smallest places, the, the, the city, the, the town that I'm in. And there's one of the, one of the people that we're working with is like a, a really interesting person. So I, I would say that there are interesting people with something to say everywhere. I mean, look at look at Sol- Solomon is a great example of that. Solomon started his career at, at, at in in Dubai. That's where I met Solomon. I met Solomon in Dubai, and I couldn't believe it. I was like, I can't believe this fucking genius, this incredible artist, is living in in this in this city that's like an extremist Muslim kind of town you know i couldn't believe it and he he grew up there and stayed there until he was like in his 20s you're you're, you're right but but i don't think soul's career would have would have been, would be what it is right now if it had no. stayed there the no, fact no. the fact the, but the, so the fact is the fact is i think you know you you look at a modern filmmaker like soul mm. who, who has benefited through being in one of the three pivotal cities new york l.a and London, they're the three pivotal cities. He's benefited from being in New York, and he's actually also benefited from the filmmaking as a community that's, that, that, that has grown through um, technology, things like Vimeo and Instagram. Do you see what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so Sol, Sol, is a, Sol is a prime example of, 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 of a, a young modern 
fil- a filmmaker having the best of kind of both worlds. But it, but but I, I I do believe you, and you're right in what you say. Everywhere you go, the smallest towns, the smallest villages, whatever, there'll be creativity. But but in order to have the potential to to explore that and nurture that, you, you you've got to go to a big city. You have to. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I'm sort of contradicting myself in a way because, like, Susan, my, my wife and I have been talking about, well, she's not, she's my, my fiance. I keep calling her my wife, but we, uh, we've been together so long that we may as well be wife and, and husband. But um, we, we live in Manhattan. We've lived in Manhattan for many, many years. For, and we, we've been talking about that. Like, I, I don't really need to be based in Manhattan anymore. You know, I think that I could be anywhere. Uh, but yeah, you could you could you could be time. in Bermuda. You could live yeah. in Bermuda, please. <laughs> as long as you had decent Wi-Fi. Out of all the places in the world, he's got to pick Bermuda. I love it. <laughs> and with a British accent, just sounds it sounds too sophisticated for me. Bermuda, Bermuda. Bermuda. As they say in as they say in Brooklyn, Bermuda. <laughs> no, but but in all honesty, the the like our son is five years old or four years old. Sorry, he's four, and the the when he's around other kids that are that are not from big cities, he is tremendously ahead of them because of the amount of exposure he's around. He's, he's, he's around so much exposure of advertisement and media and people talking different languages, people that look completely different. Like I remember when, uh, and this is something that I'll always remember, my brother will probably remember this, my sisters will probably remember this, my mom always remembers this, but the first time that I that I saw um, a guy with red hair, I I went fucking crazy. I hysterically cried because I thought it was an alien, you know. And I was probably six years old or five years old or something like that because I just I, I was in Doha, Qatar, and Doha, Qatar at the time for anybody that doesn't know was like where I am now. It was like a village. There was nothing. There were, there were no skyscrapers. There was it wasn't westernized whatsoever. It was just this small desert kind of town that my, my parents are doctors and they worked at hospitals there in a small place called Doha, Qatar that now everybody knows. But at the time, no one, no one knew what it was. So what I'm saying is that there is, there is an exposure that you will get. And it's a subconscious exposure. I think it's not something that you really think about, but your mind's constantly running because of the, the, advertising that you're seeing because of the people that you're seeing because of the conversations that you're overhearing because of the um i don't know the freedom of speech for example the fact that you could say whatever the fuck you want anytime you want is really phenomenal you know i mean my, my son hears me cursing like all the time and sometimes i stop myself but look if if he doesn't hear it from me he's going to hear it from somebody else and I, I don't mind that. I think it's fine. I think it's okay. As long as he's got a structure of uh, like a, a, a strong core of values and morals, I think I think he'll come around just like I did. Just like you did, Steve. Next question. Next question, Marie. We'll do, we'll do question. one more because we've, we've been going for an hour and a half. But uh, let's just jump into one last question. Um, Cedar Moore is wondering how you both manage the networking part of the job, which I'm gonna just say, I'm just thinking he's talking about, you know, meeting directors or the schmoozing thing of it all. Mm. 
I've always been a fan of um, of letting the work speak for itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, as far as reaching out to directors, like not that I've never reached out to a director, I I, I have, but I, I know I know DPs that will reach out to directors. I mean that that's what they do. They just reach out to directors, or like production designers reach out to directors. But mm-hmm. I wanted to, and I still until now I want the work to speak for itself and for for it to catch the eyes of the person that I want to work with. So. I don't know. I, I guess it depends. It's 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 it's, it's, a, it's a tricky one, Marie, because I I I think I I don't have an issue. You know, if 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 Khalid calls me up or wants some advice, I'll, it's it's completely fine. Other 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 DPs, whatever. But at the end of the day, for me, it's a, for me, it's a strange one because I think I think. Um, when you're on set, it, it, you're doing a you're, you're doing a job, and you've got to be a professional, and and you answer to the director. And so, if you become too close to that director, where does that relationship start and end? And it, and I've I've been caught out a few times. I've become too close to a few directors, and um, it, it 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 can be extremely difficult. Um, and then of course, there's there's the whole yeah it's 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 a it's a funny one it's a it's a weird one for me to talk about mm. but um for, for if, if i'm going to have a relationship with a director um it, it should be quite it, i think it should be quite standoffish i don't like to get too close i think it's important yeah, i know to, you don't i know you don't. I, think it's I, important. I, I believe you and i i i remember you telling me this years ago and i didn't really I don't know. It's not that I put it off, but I, I couldn't understand it. I was like, just be an open book with everybody that you meet and become friends. I mean, if it comes naturally, become friends with this person and be close to them. But yeah, I, I understand it now more than ever that if, if you become too close, it's a really kind of dangerous territory to be in. Yeah. You know, yeah. but I'm also kind of upfront with with uh, the people that I collaborate with that if uh if it's, they it's, want it's, to work with somebody else, great. If it's if that person is right for the project, then yeah, yeah it's hard. It's hard. It's, but it's hard though, Khalid, because you know you if you if you you know we, we, it's all it's all about it's all about you know uh, unseen synapses connecting with another person's mind and and um, it's it's all chemistry. It's all chemicals. It's a it's a strange balance. You know yeah. whether 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 it's falling in love with a man or a woman or or having a relationship with a director or or just becoming friends with someone, it's a, it's a, it's an unknown chemistry, and often when that happens, it's difficult to kind of keep your distance. Do you know yeah, what I mean? I, it's, I know, it's, I, I, 100%, hundred percent. It's hard. Very, yeah. Very very yeah, hard. So. Um, and it's the same with it's the same with people beneath. I remember becoming too close to a, one of my focus pullers. We became too tight, yeah. and there was one there was one time on set where he he wasn't all there, and I was like, "What's wrong with you? You know what's going on?" And and um, and that 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 friendship relationship business partnership it became blurred and it shouldn't have ever done gone to that position it shouldn't have ever done 
you know, and and yeah, it's like I it's love like involved in family with work, you know. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. I, I, it's, it, you know, those, those occasions where you hear about focus pullers and what and and clapper loaders being together, or a DP going out with his or her focus puller or whatever. I, I'm like, oh my god, are you insane? That's that's madness. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I, it's tricky because you're in the trenches with them. So you do develop emotions towards the people you're working with. Um, yeah. But I hear what you're saying about you have to have some kind of wall up to protect yourself. Like we should all, it's still a job. Yeah, um, totally, totally. So anyway, it's, it's life's just about learning and we're all learning. So it's all good. Well, is there anything else you guys wanted to just quickly mention or talk about before we sign off hmm. wear a mask <laughs> wear everyone please wear your mask practice social distancing I it, but seriously seriously yeah not wear, even wear a, wear a fucking mask Khalid where's your mask actually I'm that's funny you say that I'm looking for my mask and I don't know where it is and I like <laughs> where on earth did I put it okay <laughs> yeah, but we've just we've just moved we've just moved to this hotel and we've been going going and going and moving from a hotel to a hotel to a hotel to a hotel for the last month and sometimes you forget the mask like i forget the mask in my in my uh hotel room all the time and then i get to you have to walk like 10 minutes to get to the cars right and i get to the car and i'm like fuck i forgot my mask and i have to go back and get it yeah, reason. wear your mask. Absolutely. Be, 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 be nice to everyone as well. Unless, unless they're not being nice. In fact, even if someone's not being nice to you, be nice to that person. You know, I got a, I got a really nice piece of advice a few days ago that's really, that really I've been thinking about and it's stuck with me. And I think that I, I want to share it. Go on. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to say it. Because the person that told me this was put it in a very sophisticated way, but like be, um, you know, have because everybody has an ego. No matter no matter who you are, there's no such thing as someone with without an ego. So be confident and be your own raging bull, but keep it internal. You know, keep it internal and don't let it out. You know. Okay. That was, like, and the reason why I really like that is because um, of everything that I've been told is that I'm I'm really aggressive and I'm, uh, you know, it could come across as as an ego, and I I, I never want it to come across as an ego. It's just uh, like the three C's, Devin Man. You know, Devin Man always preaches the three C's of being cool, calm, and collected. So like, be your yeah. own really aggressive person, but come across as cool, calm, and collected, and you will you will succeed. And I, I, I took that really seriously. I mean, look, I didn't take it really seriously because I haven't lived it yet, but I'm thinking about it. I think about it. Uh, since, I've, since I've heard it, I can't stop thinking about it. Every time I go to bed, I'm, I'm, I think about that. I've heard of this Devin man fella. Yeah, he's... Yeah, I've heard of him. Strange I man. Very strange man. Yeah. 
yeah. you know, where's 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 snakeskin snakeskin jackets <laughs> from the eighties? From the eighties, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's got the it's got the entire back catalogue of Journey. <laughs> yeah, the eighties <80s> band Journey. <laughs> anyway, 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 no, I, I hear that. Clearly. <laughs> like, power within you but keep it cool on the outside yeah 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 like be be confident in every single thing that you do but just you know don't don't project it yeah well i want to thank both of you for just sitting down chatting with me that was i think we got places that i did not expect and i i loved it and i hope our audience mm -hmm. enjoyed it as well I also want to give a quick shout out to the rest of my partners at Film Roundtable, Aaron Weil, Doug Torres, Matthew Wolf, and Bradford Young, who, you know, this wouldn't be here without. And uh, thanks again to Ari. And everyone, you can follow us on Instagram, you can subscribe to our website, and you'll have updates about upcoming roundtables. So thanks, guys. Thank you very, very much. Yeah, thank you for having us. It was great to chat. Well, thank speak you. Soon, speak soon, Khalid. And find yeah, your mask. I'll, I'll <laughs> Bye. Bye. Cheers, guys.